to be fair, I guess it's all in context, isn't it? Because some of these guys come from China, so they probably get to LA and go, finally, some fresh bloody air. <laughs> and also the fact that these... <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to China again. Don't worry about it. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Side Select featuring yourself. I'm your host, Foxshop. I'm joined by the lovely Thorin. And Rich, we're going to be talking about some esports stuff today. Lots of different things going on. Let's uh, break it down. Before we do, I want to introduce our guests. And I want to ask them some very important questions. Thorin, I've asked you about your breakfast. I've asked you about your lunch and your dinner and your favourite colour, which is blue, uh, yellow with black. Around yeah, the outside. suspense is killing me. Where's like he going now? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually not really going to deviate too far. Oh, right. Know? Okay. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm going more to like a cousin of my normal questions. If you are on death row, what is your last meal? Oh, okay. That's an interesting one. Let me think. Cause here's the thing immediately already. This is the problem with these questions, by the way, is you can answer them just straight up or you can do what everyone actually does, which is you start thinking people were going to judge what I say and try and like reverse engineer who I am. So like, here's the thing on the one hand, Foxtrot, I want to just go with like a real meal. It's my fear. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play you all, manipulate you. And I'm going to go yeah. on some like Jesus Bible tip. Cause you know, the whole shit of Jesus's stuff was sort of like, you know, and he was last shall actually be first and he who has nothing will get everything. <laughs> so I'll just be really humble at the end. I'll just have some bangers and mash, some, you know, sort of fucking earthy, just salt of the earth food, just hearty, warming. Plus, at that point, by the way, if it's in any way unhealthy, I'm dying right after a year anyway, so I wouldn't worry about it. And you know, if, no, if no one's ever had it, really good, for real, really good bangers and mash is actually really delicious. Like, if yeah. you're ever in, like, fucking Heathrow or something, listen, it's going to cost, like, £15, but go and have one of the, like, luxury ones there with the gravy, and that would be fucking... Spot on, spot on. You know, your Jesus impression, you probably won't get this reference at all, but there's a there's a TikTok trend where it's uh the turtle from from Kung Fu Panda is very wise and stuff, and then the right. voiceover is something very crude or something awful, and it sounds exactly like your Jesus. It's like two in the pink and one in the pink. Yeah, that's that was basically that's the vibe I'm getting from you. A very wise man. Rich, what is your death row meal? Hello, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm. I, firstly, I want to say that yellow with black is not a colour. Can we just have <laughs> that, that on record? So that that doesn't count as a proper yep. answer, I'd say. But also, in terms of the the what, what will my last meal be? I'm going to go tactical with this. I'm going to have some really nice food. Just, you're just going to face check a, a team fight and then die and lose worlds for some. <laughs> what's that going to do with having a last? Oh, right. Sorry. You meant the, the, the word tactical, right? My mistake. My mistake. I'm going to have a banging meal. I mean, it doesn't really matter what it is. Any of my, call it a, an amazing Indian from the best Indian restaurant in the world, followed by just a smorgasbord of ridiculously sweet luxury desserts. And I'm going to eat it in ludicrous... What, what prison in the world allows this part, by the way? Well, the first part may be they bring in the Indian. The, the idea, like, they bring in the smorgasbord. Of, like, the warden just goes, no, you get one meal. Like, you know, that, that's the part where he's going ridiculous. Go on, then. Well, I think... You get them all around the world yeah, now. Um, well, I've interpreted the question okay. in the same way that you interpreted uh, the what is your favourite colour by answering I yellow and black. I'm this is more like a genie Aladdin scenario where you yeah. get everything you want. Right, okay, fair exactly. Enough. So in this scenario, as I said, I'm eating till excess, and my my idea here is I remember once I got food poisoning, like really, really fucking bad yeah. food poisoning, and I remember asking myself midway through, would I rather have a million pounds to wait this out, or would I rather be able to snap my fingers and this is just over and I feel fine again? Obviously, okay. pretty stupid, but the point is that I felt that fucking bad that I was actually considering, like, what would I actually do here? 
And what I would actually do is, as I said, I would eat to excess to such an extent that I just felt like complete shit. And then as I'm being taken to the table to get killed, I'm like, fuck it, just do it, end it now, end oh, my fuck. misery. So yeah, that that's uh, that's my my approach. I don't know why, why, here's what I don't get is, he's turned it into some fucked thing where instead of getting to enjoy your last meal, he's essentially eating himself to the brink of death, and then he's like, yeah, just kill me. Like, but who, who's, who's, so, here's what I hope though, Rich, what I hope is that you get your dream to come true, but obviously, right, at the last 11th hour before they throw the switch, the governor just calls in, doesn't he, gets you spared, and you're like, oh, fuck, I didn't think it through, please, just kill me, kill me, like, they're like, no, sir, sorry, but back what, you go. What? <laughs> what percentage of people are actually sat there eating their last meal being like, mm, this is brilliant, oh, an extra gravy. You're like, well, you're still thinking about your impending doom, aren't you? So, yeah, that's that's just my, my tactic. I I mean, I feel like I ask pretty basic questions, but you guys never give basic answers. Like, <laughs> eat yourself to, to the point where you, you embrace the, the, the cold clutches of death is probably a decent way to go if you're on death row, I suppose. Um, I'd like a fry up for what it's worth. Uh, let's go on to our first topic. CSGO. We're returning to land. I am Katowice. You would be other. a fry-up. Electric chair. There you go. True. Yeah, it would be, it would be a That would thematically up. work. Yeah. Um, and I... Yeah, I keep going here. So Navi are the favourites for I am Katowice. That's correct, yes. And... Um, we're not going to talk about them because that's the easy answer of who you think is probably going to take this one. Who do you think can challenge Na'Vi? Maybe see them in the finals or just, you know, maybe someone that you think, uh, if it's not going to be Na'Vi, who do you see taking the title? I'm going to start, you know, I was going to start with you, Thorin, but I don't appreciate that joke, actually. So I'm going to start with Rich because hopefully you've got me something a little bit more sensible for me here. Uh, yeah, I mean, everyone's favourite is obviously Na'Vi. Um, in terms of like what I think the finals matchup might be obviously my answers would change a little bit in terms of how the the groups are set up and how the the brackets all develop but i'm gonna say i'm actually gonna say virtus pro which might be a little bit surprising like i feel like on paper or in the odds makers maybe g2 uh gambit obviously more favored vitality even maybe for some people uh probably shorter all shorter odds than vp i would guess but with Vitality, I feel like maybe it's too much too soon. Like, I'm not expecting these guys that have been put together. Again, we talked about in a previous show in terms of the mixed language and so on. I don't think, feel like this is something that's going to, like, click together immediately. So I don't... I think they might do, you know, decently. I expect them to be in playoffs, of course. But I don't, I don't think they're going to do it. Um, and Gambit, to be honest, I think Gambit are probably the the team who benefited the most from the circuit being online for like the last couple of years or being like largely online. I, I'm not like yet completely comfortable saying I definitely know that these guys are going to perform super well on LAN. Um, so even though again, you know, they're, they're probably deservedly the second favorite, I would say, but I'm, yeah, I'm going to pick VP. Um, and I think one of the big factors is obviously you have to keep in mind, this is the first LAN with like a proper crowd in like a really long time. And while VP is no longer obviously, you know, a full Polish team or anything. I mean, they don't have any Polish players. But the org is synonymous with Polish Counter-Strike and this tournament. And I do think, you know, they are a CIS team. And I do think the crowd is going to be really behind them. Um, and I do think that is a pretty big factor. I've also been pretty impressed with Flit. I think he's quite an exciting addition. Um, 
And to be honest as well, I think because none of the chasing pack you know, you know, behind Na'Vi have me overly convinced, I also think it's just a good opportunity to pick, you know, a pretty interesting, interesting... Uh, it's not even really that much of an upset. I mean, VP are probably one of the one of the better teams, right? But I don't think most people have them making the final. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say VP. Oh, also, by the way, sorry, one uh, tip. I think this came out today. This is really important to note uh, with regards to Na'Vi. Um, is obviously uh, Boomich has COVID. Um, and he's playing the groups from his hotel room, where presumably that's supervised or whatever. But I believe the current reporting is that should they get out of groups, which they almost certainly will, he's probably they're probably going to have to play with a stand-in. I think that is the current information because if people don't know, once you get to the quote-unquote arena stage, obviously you can't have someone at that point like sat in a hotel room across the street. So yeah, he's not allowed to play in that as things stand. I don't know how that's going to develop or if they'll... The problem you know... with that as well as far as I know is, I think that... Because some of the other people who popped, they popped like a week ago. Because he's just tested positive now. The other problem is the quarantine time. I'm not yeah. sure what it is in Germany at the moment, but or Poland rather. But if it's something like a week or ten days, like the premise might be, he could only get out for the playoffs or something. Even if he if he was negative, so I, I, maybe he has to miss the whole tournament, right? Yeah. So yeah. that might happen. Who do you think might potentially upset Navi if it even would be an upset? Like, the point? funny thing is. Rich is right in the sense that if you asked most people, like on paper, you're supposed to say like Gambit, they were obviously won the land finals recently, G2 and Vitality both look amazing with the new rosters. If they'd have had ROPs, FaZe would be, be in the mix. But actually, I would have picked Virtus Pro as well. We didn't actually agree on this beforehand what we we're going to say, because I just think basically of the Dark Horse teams, I think they're the strongest. Like, as he says... The new addition, Flit, who actually came in, if people remember, during the majors, so it's months and months ago now, he's already bedded in, he's already actually having really good numbers. And so this team actually, people underestimate how good the firepower is in this team. Like, once upon a time, if you go back a few years when they were in the major finals of Vanguard, their second best player, assuming you thought Jim was the best, I always thought it was a bit debatable, was the player Buster. He is probably now considered their fourth best player. Like, this team is actually stacked with skill. And the key thing for me, this is why I actually would have picked the Virtus Pro as well, and I think actually they're one of the best teams to have a chance to beat Na'Vi, is they're not working with a new roster. They've only got one player change. It was months ago. They've kind of got it in place now. And the team was already pretty good anyway. Like, they had a very defined style. So the reason why I would pick them is, like I said, I don't think there's many moving parts. Whereas with Vitality, with G2, with Gambit, they all have, like, a fact that goes against them. Gambit still hasn't done it online as much. G2 and Vitality, brand new lineups. You don't know exactly that every player's going to mesh. I would also say Virtus Pro. I think they're a pretty good shout to be in the final. Or about some like mega dark horse picks then if it's okay. going to be Virtus Pro like hit me with something that's like completely outlandish but strange. I'll give you one which is on paper now that FaZe Clan doesn't have Rops who was one of the best players in the world and they just massive sound. in theory if you lose the player that you essentially signed to be your Ronaldo you should never have a chance but I will say because they're bringing in JKS who a few years ago was a star player and he's sort of actually in a position where he needs to sort of prove himself and in FaZe Clan their in-game leader Carrigan is really famous for being able to sort of work like I'm sort of short-handed like when just pick someone up and win a tournament with a stand-in I would say they're not a bad shout as a dark horse like on paper their chances should be ruined but I actually think if someone crazy had to win out with no I think they could do it by you Rich any mega dark horse picks you think uh, take it? yeah uh, what, what, what I would say to preface what I'm about to say is that I think because again of this the circumstances of how the land's taking place it is the first land for ages that there is going to be a live mm -hmm. crowd etc I think there is more 
potential for upsets just because people are going to be understandably more nervous than I think they normally would be. And you're just going to have a few people who it's not going to affect at all or maybe positively affects. So I do think there is a propensity for an upset here, potentially. I'll just say Fnatic. Uh, and because it served me so well on this show, I'm just going to go full narrative and say that the UK boys become the first team to uh, make a splash in the CS title. So I'm going to say Fnatic make at least... Like, I'll say Fnatic make semis. There you go. Which I do think right. would be a big upset, oh, be a to be honest, upset, because I do sure. think that the teams we already spoke about before, those should be the teams and the only teams, basically, who are in the final four, four, four of those five teams. Well, I think that's, that, you nailed it when you talked about the uh, how, how it's land. Things happen. That's what I always like about land. It's just shit happens. It's, it's always a bit weird. And uh, people overperform, people underperform. And um, that's why there's a difference between the online tournaments and the ones in person. I'm really glad we can finally have some in person because I've missed that a lot, honestly. It's a, it's a huge difference. Um, but let's move on then. Let's, uh, let's see, let's go let's move on to some LCS stuff. We're, we're going across the pond here from Poland to America. And everyone's favorite League of Legends team, TSM. They're winless in the LCS spring split so far. They're zero so far. Well, zero four, yeah, so far as well. Uh, this is something we don't really come to expect of TSM. They haven't been the powerhouses, powerhouses that they were like way back when, but they've always been a serviceable team. But you know, being winless at this point in the season is a little bit troubling, especially since they were also one and three in the lock-in tournament as well. So they're not really having a good start at all. And it's just been announced as well that their support player has been uh, replaced. He's going down to the academy. Travis Gafford has reported that there might be some changes to the personnel behind the scenes too. And recently I saw there was a, a leaked translation of a conversation between the support Shenyi uh, and his friend back over in China. Um, saying that Shenyi basically hasn't, he's expressing that he thinks he hasn't been given a chance. Shenyi thinks he's a good shot caller. Uh, and TSM are like, yeah, um, yeah, no, not so much. And maybe a few little digs at his team as well. So basically, it's all going tits up in TSM. My question to you two is, do you think TSM can even make their playoffs after a start like this? And with how things are looking out, Thorin, as their number one fan, what do you think? I think they're absolutely fucked. Like, what people don't realise is, I actually don't like the current circumstance where they like, like, if people don't know, they are actually the worst ranked team in the LCS, for fuck's sake. Not just like, you know, the worst. But like, what I want in theory is, if I want TSM to, to make fun of them, they have to be like, competent enough that they're like, a credible person to make fun of. Which means usually, you have to be like, a Worlds team, for example. Like, the funniest is obviously, if they go to Worlds and bomb it. No one actually wants to see them just be the worst in LCS. Like, essentially like, go to like, CLG type levels where because the here's the spoiler in a few years you just become completely irrelevant like it doesn't matter how much money you have behind the scenes for all fans are going to go yeah but look at the business if the business was so great they'd have amazing roster right now instead they've got this roster where i don't even actually know why these particular imports are in the team because tsm went all those years saying we don't want to get asian import players right with the exception of lost boy who they obviously got because they have the connection with local doko aside from that right they were the team who believed you shouldn't communicate outside of english basically so all the years when getting Koreans was basically a slam dunk if you were like a LCS team. They didn't do it. And then they finally sort of broke the fucking dam to get sword art, right? Because supposedly another thing they were saying in that year was like, well, Lena speaks Mandarin or whatever, so she'll be able to talk to him. Spoiler, she isn't even at TSM anymore. So why do they now have these Chinese players you've never heard of? I don't even get it. Because as far as I know, it isn't like Cloud9 and LS where, you know, he's like scouted these guys and they really are like the fucking truth and like you're getting ahead. It's not. It's just some random players that 
as far as I can tell, some someone's fucking just conned him into buying from that particular region. So I think if you look at the roster in the server, it's not impressive. You look on paper, you're like, what the fuck is this lineup? Like, look, Spicker's still a pretty good player. Hooney can be good for LCS. Beyond that, like, I think Tactical wasn't very good the last year or so. I think this team's whack. And when you consider in America... Like, look, in theory, there aren't as many good teams. Like, LCS isn't as competitive as LEC for me. But even so, like, they could creep into the playoffs, but they're not going to make any damage. Like, unfortunately, there's not even any jokes in this one. This team is just bad. It's just a badly put together squad. I think as well, it's worth mentioning, too, if you're not unaware of the LCS format, that there's 10 teams and the top eight get into playoffs, essentially. Like, uh, seventh and eighth uh, go straight into the, into the loser's bracket. But still, if you don't make playoffs, then you are a very bad team. It's not like, you know, the top half and the bottom half. No, there's eight chances to get in. You have to be outside that eight out of ten to not make it. Uh, Rich, what are your thoughts? TSM, not a great start, but are they playoff bound or is it just completely completely doomed? Am I, think, am I right, sorry, in thinking that this is would be the first time ever that they didn't make playoffs? Is that correct? would be yes. i think it i think it would be so in the as scenario far as I know, by the way like according to gamepedia they claim that you've gone back to the old thing of just top six makes plus but i know the last few years it was like fox up since i don't know if that's right i mean it'd be kind of amusing if the first ever time they didn't make playoffs oh, sure. is when eight teams would be uh allowed in but, <laughs> be hilarious. but yeah also to your point thorin i think like a good analogy for that uh for, for tsm and and their relevancy would be something like the dallas cowboys right which is obviously like the way jerry jones has run that team but anyone who doesn't know is when he knows that they don't have they're not on like the brink of having a championship level team he will make moves that always keep them relevant in one way or another whether it's just like some super explosive offense which makes them like super entertaining to watch or bring in some super controversial star player like yes. he'll do something to always make sure they're relevant the problem with this team as you said especially with the imports or whatever is that there isn't really anything that you want to watch this team for i mean the novelty of hooney sitting on his chair going holo 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 like that doesn't bring in fans anymore like eyeballs the screen right of itself so yeah I, I, what i would say is because i think there obviously it's a very small sample size size of games so obviously the bigger issues i think we should talk about here are outside of the game but let me just very quickly first frame the in-game performances like uh shen yi who is the support player that was benched he hasn't been good, to be fair. Like, at least in terms of performance, he hasn't been good. Especially last week against FlyQuest and Golden Guardians, he was really poor. But, as Thorin said, his ADC, in my opinion, is just bad. Hooney's been rubbish, to be honest. Like, historically, maybe in certain seasons, he's, like, done well in his lane when he's on, you know, lane bully champions. And up until playoffs, he's been, like, you know, pretty decent, one of the better tops. He's actually just been banned, bad. And they've been playing stuff like Lulu top with Smite and just weird little misreads on the meta, I think. Um... But yeah, again, I think we need to mainly look outside of the game here. And I think the most important thing to look at is essentially what TSM's, you know, mission statement was, which was basically that this roster was going to be like a developmental roster. It was something that was going to be built up over time. And they accepted it wouldn't be the best team on paper immediately, but they were going to basically nurture and develop these guys that they were bringing in. And it, that's been thrown out immediately, right? And to be honest... This stinks of classic Reginald interference. I think he thought it wouldn't be this bad. Obviously, this is conjecture, by the way. I don't know anything other than uh, historical precedents to be saying this before you think I'm, you know, leaking or whatever. But 
the fact that this is seemingly capitulated so quickly, they've only played four fucking games. To me, this stinks of Reginald thinking, Jesus Christ, I didn't know it'd be this bad. I've got to make changes now instead of trying to let the process play out a little bit. So this to me is short-term panic. I think it's a betrayal of their own philosophy and ethos of what this team was meant to be. And I think that's why fans are upset. If you actually go on the TSM subreddit, which I regularly frequent, by the way, because it's fucking hilarious. These people have like insane levels of parasocial relationships with the TSM staff. It's beyond disturbing. But regardless... If they you call go everyone on... by their first name and everything. But it's yeah. really mad. It's so hilarious. No, if you, it, oh, you just <laughs> what, go, on, go on the subreddit and look at threads from, well, when this goes out. It would be two days ago. And look at how they're talking about the staff and in dunk we trust and all this other nonsense. And then look at the threads from what will be yesterday and look at the absolute U-turn that all these people have taken. And even though these people are basically complete freaks in my opinion they have a point like if you did buy into this ethos of this is a developmental de 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 team that we need to build over time that they have been betrayed basically they've betrayed their own mission statement they've gone against what they told their fans and i think that is people's biggest problem with this and i would agree with that and, and in fact if you do come out and you say this uh this is the um this is the plan for the team and you do go zero four at least you have something to fall back on. You can say, guys, we said, we told you, we literally told you we would not be a great team straight away. This is all about building for the future and trying to, um, you know, acclimatise these players or whatever. And this hilarious statement that they put out, which basically says that their values are adaptation and comfort. Dude, you took... A player out of or multiple players out of their comfort zone of their own country which is fine they're obviously complicit in that and then you've given them two weeks show me what you got no okay sorry dropped how comfortable do you think that guy feels being on academy right now probably feels like shit that he never had a chance to be part of this amazing developmental squad so yeah i, I think that the worst part about this is the betrayal of management more so actually than the zero four record I think that's a, a good point with uh, with regards to Path, who recently left TSM, if I'm not mistaken. He was a big driver behind this roster. And uh, he said the same thing. You know, he was like, this is a development developmental roster. Our, you know, our goal so far in, in, in the LCS is to, is to build these players, to bring them across, you know, Shen Yi, for example. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, same with uh, Keduo, the, the mid laner. Both came from LPL's, like, academy or like the the minor league, whatever the league. Oh, the yellow, whatever it's called, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so they are they are essentially players that you do want to build up, that you do want to, especially when you bring them out of China into America. Like, you know, they, it, it it doesn't. There's got to be something going on for them to just, you know, to to have roster changes like in a roster like like this, where the the, the intention is. You know you're gonna suck. It's literally that's the whole point. The word developmental is basically just a cover for yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be shit. <laughs> you know, we we are going to, and, and we accept that. You know, I'm I'm surprised. Honestly, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that it's going down this quickly. Um, it does sound, just... by the way, like what you uh, said before with the the leaked messages stuff. It does at least sound like they probably told the players similar things. That, you know, this team's about building up. We don't expect results immediately. Blah blah blah. Um, just you know, from his own own wording, he essentially said, "I don't feel like I was given a chance. I was kind of dropped out of nowhere. You know, without yeah. being given enough time to put my feet under me." So, <laughs> while that seems like there was probably consistent messaging between what they told the public and what they told the players, 
it's still just an equal betrayal of the concept to both the players and the public. So, By the way, yeah. I'll say this as well, right? Or normally, when people say developmental, that's usually code for orgs of like, we don't have any money, we're just getting cheap players, right? For TSM, that doesn't make sense because as people will know, like they did offer apparently like a King's Ransom to Bjergsen to stay. Like I would imagine if he had stayed, maybe they would have aggressively pursued like big name bot lane players, etc. So the problem is to me, the whole reason I think they pivoted to this developmental angle is as you might have seen in the off season, the org itself has fallen apart. All these big names were leaving. So I actually think what happened is just like two years ago, they scoffed the off-season, and at the very end of the off-season, when there's almost no one left available, they basically decided, right, instead of just getting literally, I mean, at that point, they would only have like people like Jazuki left, just the big names that left. This Instead, they tried to like recover all of this by doing an angle of like no we're going like with this really deep like we're going to get Choi in and then he's going to like know the next talents from the LPL and we're going to get them before like that was like I think that was their clever angle to see basically that they were trying to make an angle like Rich is talking about here that would be the angle you'd follow them for like maybe like I said basically the joke is they tried to do a shit version of what Cloud9's doing they tried to be like look we've got this expert who's going to bring in the next Asian talents but the difference is it's plausible for LS and if you look at his career and the players he's picked it isn't plausible for TSM and I'll just throw this in as well the biggest killer detail of all is this. The only one of the top teams they've played so far is EG. So the fact they're 0 and 4, boys, they haven't played 100 Thieves, Cloud9, or Team Liquid yet. Like, they could genuinely be, like, they could win, like, one or two out of their first 10 games. This could be really bad. And if people don't know the way the structure works, especially if you have to have six teams to make the playoffs, that would mean for the second round robin, they would have to have some insane win rate, like 80% win rate or something. That's what the part that people always forget about the splits is. If you start really bad, to turn it around, you have to literally become one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, by the way, anyone who thought that, you know, Reggie would maybe take a step back or whatever because of the riot investigation and all the rest of it, I mean, who else is making these decisions if not him? This is, this is definitely either directly through Reggie or through Reggie as a proxy because there's no way that someone else is doing this of their own volition. And, you know, I, I would call it a stretch to say that this is, you know, player abuse to drop someone over uh, such a short period of time. But it's not that much of a stretch. Again, you bring people over from bloody China, probably barely speaks a word of English. You give the guy two weeks to prove himself and then you just drop him after, you know, bigging it up, up that you, you guys are making a, a sort of a, a squad that's going to build up over time. So, yeah, I think it's poor showing all around. I agree with you, and uh, uh, to, to go back to the point, are they going to make playoffs for me? No, TSM's not. They're done, so it's just... By the way, there's even an angle I think is really bad for the future of the org, which is, think about the track record they've built up over the years now, that even big names come to TSM and you get benched or you get kicked after a split. Like, my boy Kobe had one whole split there. Mm -hmm. Fucking people came... Like, mate, like, at this point in time, it's all, they're already having a hard time attracting people, but if you get the vibe that, like, if it goes badly, you just get your canned after three or four weeks, that's even worse. Like, if anything, I'd, I'd prefer the that like hang on a bit too longer if I'm a player in that sense give you a proper chance you know at least you get you still get to live in LA and you still get NA money even is there any game. upside any upsides at all because no. <laughs> LA by the way is a toxic garbage fucking cesspit but mate you're, you're, you're one of those people who's been in LA right and you stayed near the beach you're like this is cool I tell you what mate try, <laughs> no, walking, I... try walking home under one of those bridges mate you'll see a different fucking world it's like for Blade sure, Runner or sure. like holy fuck this guy <laughs> taking his eyeball out there like and then you're saying and that American money mate every day they're printing so much of that shit it's worth nothing so I get what you mean it sounds good but probably especially not. if you're if you're a young guy right 
like you know like these guys are like barely in their 20s if they're all teenagers you know? and even even just the weather just the weather and and the culture around like, i know exactly what you're saying la as a whole i think anyone who lives in la will tell you it's a shithole and people who visit LA are like, oh my god, LA is. Well, so to be fair, I guess it's all in context, isn't it? Because some of these guys come from China, so they probably get to LA and go, finally, some fresh bloody air. <laughs> and also the fact that these. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to China again. Don't worry about it. These people as well. Um, fuck's sake. What was I going to say? They're all brilliant yeah, people. They're all gonna... No, no, no. They're, yeah, obviously. I mean, these amazing people, like, they're not. Look, they they live in that bubble, you know. They live That's in true. that bubble of LA is amazing, you know. Like, and and they've got fuck you money to do it with. So, like, I mean, I know what you're saying. It's it's and to be fair, you don't need to go to TSM to to live in LA and earn any money, right? That you could go to any one of the organizations. But I agree, like, it's just I just don't see what their end game is, you know. Like, surely this. I mean, obviously, you're not going to turn it around. Well, maybe they think they're going to turn it around. I don't. I don't think so. Anyway, I'm going to move on here. We're still talking a bit about some LCS, but we're going to keep it snappy here for a quick. Cheeky little quick fire round. We've got five teams in the LCS right now that are tied for first place at three and one. That's kind of crazy. Um, but I want to know from you two who you think has started not only potentially uh, it is a bit overrated, so maybe they've had a great start and then you think eh, not quite as good as their record would show. Or maybe the other way around, a team that's a little bit underrated, a team that started off really crap and... Uh, Maybe it's a little bit better than their, than their score would indicate. It's probably not going to be a TSM, if uh, I can maybe guess that one. Uh, Rich, I'm coming to you first. Overrated, underrated from the LCS so far? Uh, I mean, I'll go with Dignitas for this one. I think they're an obvious one. Again, obviously, super Over early. Uh, I, think they're, I, mean, I think they're currently overrated in that they're sitting at a 3-1 record and I expect them to drop off. Um, I just think that they have the most extreme ratio of what their current record is versus the amount of talent or lack thereof that's on their team um so yeah i'm gonna go ahead and say that i think they'll probably fall off pretty hard i actually wouldn't be surprised if they miss playoffs despite starting uh starting three and one so yeah i'll I'll say i'll say dignitas i don't think that's but they did well in the lock-in as well like okay they're only one and three in like that group stage but they they knocked out 100 thieves right they swept 100 thieves in the first round of lock-in yeah i guess like the the thing is (laughs) when you when you start at the top and then reverse engineer how spring in uh, nal LCS works like some of these games are so low stake that I just I'm not even mm. sure how seriously I can take them like them beating 100 thieves in the spring lock-in tournament like to honestly yeah. to me that doesn't mean anything at all also you're then so early on in the season that that first week basically there are more elements of coin flip so yeah I, I'm actually going to guess that Dignitas they'll either just squeak into playoffs I mean again I'm assuming this is a six-man playoff system obviously if there are eight teams they're probably going to make playoffs um but I'm actually going to say they'll miss playoffs if uh most likely All if right. there are only six teams so Dignitas are missing the playoffs Thorin what about you overrated underrated so far yes Right, I'll take FlyQuest, being as at the moment they are tied for first place. Like, it's true, if you look who they've played, basically only the TSM results, the big result, and TSM themselves are pretty bad. But I'll just say this, like, there's no universe where this is going to be anywhere near a contender team. Like, the lineup of players, like, I don't believe in this at all. Like, the idea of all the talents in the RL, what, you're the ones that scouted the super secret, really sick French mid laner. Spoiler, there's one fucking good French mid laner. He's called Vethio, and even people in the LCS, LEC, need to stop trying to make it that there's, like, five 
five of them. There aren't. Spoiler, by the way, watch out for this if you follow the LEC. The LFL will become the most overrated fucking ERL ever to exist because the problem is French people already naturally just go super ham on their talents. And so that league already has super passionate fans. So the, the reason I say this is, whereas normally out of the ERLs, people have now sort of got an idea of who's actually good. If they come from the LFL, like... 80% of them are just overhyped. It's why you get the odd ones that are amazing and some that are just like, this guy's just average as fuck. So basically, I don't buy that they've got like the super secret fucking pipeline to talent. Then look who else they have on FlyQuest. They have some like okay players. They have some all right veterans. But like, I don't think this team can do anything in this split. Like once the actual split's played out, it's going to be like the sixth or seventh best team. And that's about it. That's the best case scenario. Thorin has just invoked the wrath of the last group of people in esports that didn't already hate him, which is K-Corp fans, because obviously Saken's their mid laner, and apparently he's literally the greatest mid laner of all time in the West, so... Yeah, the thing uh, is, he he actually is good. He, I actually would like to have seen him in LEC, but suddenly he didn't go, did he? I mean, he ha he has played a few games in LEC, and yeah, but that was so many years ago. I don't count yeah, those, you know. True. I'll give I you guess. a break if you just came in years back and you come back now. You know, the difference is that fucking nuclear guy's is a waste of time, mate. Why am I watching this guy? Yeah, true. The idea of Jensen and Juki can't play at fucking professional League of Legends, but I have to watch these guys play. Give me a break. <laughs> I'm not sure what the whole point of importing Takuri is. I mean, I. I I've I've covered a lot of the RLs, obviously doing your masters and stuff like that, and and Takuri's been around for a while. He's fine, but I'm why are you importing him? Like, like, where's, yeah, where's, like, you know, where's the big hype? Really I mean, keep like, in mind that the the two ERL mid laners that they took were Takuri and Blue. Or sorry, yeah. Blue was actually technically LEC, wasn't he? Or not even technically. <laughs> I just feel like I have to say it like that because he really wasn't yeah. an LEC mid, was he? But when you actually consider like. Yeah, the level of talent that you could scalp from the uh, ERLs is kind of, a, yeah, just bizarre. But I don't know. I actually think Trickery is quite good. But again, like we're talking about import slots here in the context of North America in 2022. Like, why aren't you just getting some straight up banging Korean mid or an actual really good European mid? Or again, you know, Jensen? <laughs> Question yeah. mark? Yeah, I don't think he's better than Jensen or anything like that. Uh, yeah, it's it is a bit pure to me, but either way, that's your fair enough. I want to keep this one short. So we've got Dignitas and FlyQuest currently joint for first, as you mentioned, and uh, they're probably maybe not even going to make playoffs. I mean, to be fair, it's it's kind of tough, but you know, we've got Li Liquid, EG, Cloud Nine, Hundred Thieves. As I would say, pretty top heavy leave now. Some yeah, pretty yeah, top teams, sure. yeah. Sure, like I guess you you kind of competing like Golden Guardians, Immortals. Like I don't think it's too much for a stretch to beat those out. But I said it's a bit of a flip, honestly. I wouldn't be able to call out of the next, you know, Dignitas Fly, Golden Guardians, and Immortals. I'm not really sure how I'd rate those differently. Anyway, let's move on here. I'm kind of excited about this next topic actually because I've we've when was the last time you guys talked about StarCraft on a talk show? Yeah, that's um, kind of the point. It's pretty... Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Here it is. We bring it up. Uh, it's been 12 years since StarCraft 2 graced us with its presence. I still remember StarCraft 2, because obviously the first StarCraft was like the eSport, right? Like from, from the genuinely, like it, it was huge back in the day over in Korea when eSports still wasn't even really a thing. Uh, and then you get the sequel, StarCraft 2 coming out. And, and back then in the early 20, 2010s, massive game, huge in Korea arguably like the starcraft franchise actually i'm just going to say at least the starcraft franchise is the like grandfather of all esports and starcraft 2 did a lot to kind of uh make esports popular in the west even though it didn't really massively take off over here at least not compared to korea 
Um, but still, it's basically non-existent nowadays over here. Still doing some things over there. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is here, we don't have any RTSs anymore. It's all about MOBAs or FPS, fighting games. Where is our RTS? It's not StarCraft. Do you think that RTS as a genre is kind of gone now as an eSport? Like, has it just been replaced by by MOBAs since they're also kind of strategic as well? They're obviously very different games. Um what do you think? Like, do you think we need a new RTS? Do you think RTS is done? Is it ancient history? I'll come to you again first on this one, Rich. What are your thoughts? Well, I think a lot of people either forget or weren't around at the time, you know, maybe newer esports fans or whatever, to sort of how big StarCraft actually was in the early, like, 2010s. Obviously, you said, you know, it wasn't as big as it was in Korea, of course. Like, it's been perpetual in Korea since, mm. uh, you know, like, late 90s almost. But um, I think... You know, if you look at the early days of Twitch, for example, like all the original big esports related streams on Twitch were actually StarCraft players. Like Idra, Dragon, these guys, like big personalities, uh, Stefano, Huck. Like these guys were actually really big in the context of esports in the West, like back then. Basically, you only really had Counter Strike and StarCraft. Those were like the two biggest esports. And in terms of like individual streams, like personalities and stuff, I actually think StarCraft was bigger um, at, at that time. And the reason why I think this is like an interesting topic um, and an interesting thing to kind of like look at is that I see this sort of twofold. Number one, because of the kind of game that StarCraft is, first of all, it's a it's a one versus one game, right? So it's very different. Even if you say there are strategical elements in other games, it's very different in that aspect alone. Um, but also, there's nothing that really has replaced it at all. And considering how big, like, again, obviously the numbers are inflated now compared to what they were back then. But someone like Idra used to get, like, twelve to 15,000 views on Twitch back in, like, 2011. That, that was huge. That was astronomically big. And those fans, there's no, like, natural place they could have transitioned to or left or gone to another game, that entire fan base, right? Like, obviously certain games might appeal to certain people who are watching that. But I do feel like there's a massive hole where you can plug and you would basically not just... Um, you know cross-pollinate with other fan bases and get them to also like that game but the people who don't currently follow esports would start following esports the second point kind of leading off off on that is that i think that rts games are actually the next big way to get a bigger corner of the mainstream market to get into fp uh, to get fps to get into esports games and why i say that is i think certain rts games are the most easy to understand and observable games for for watchers now starcraft specifically isn't i feel like starcraft is actually quite difficult to watch unless you played the game or at least really understand games like you know even age of empires or similar styles of games but something like total war for example and this is something i actually talked about with uh, jacob wolf the other day i think something like that is so easy to understand and is so obviously intuitive to like a casual you know normie for lack of a better word who has no idea what esports is that this is a huge unplugged market that could actually massively expand the growth of esports um for those that you don't know or maybe those of you who just lived outside the uk there was actually a tv show uh, in the uk in about 2003 or 4 or something called time commanders and the way the show was basically marketed was that it was like you got the you know a group of friends or a family or whatever and you bring them on this game show and basically what they have to do is command this historical one side of this historical scenario like you know Boudicca versus the romans or whatever 
and they were actually just using the game Rome Total War. This was not well, not even explicitly uh, stated on the program. It was just bigged up as this this uh, new thing or whatever. And it was actually, first of all, I actually thought it was pretty entertaining. It was quite an interesting concept, but it had pretty decent ratings as well. And again, esports was not a thing at all in the UK outside of like local lands for Counter Strike in 2003. Like it just wasn't. And this was being shown on like BBC to like decent viewership. So people were interested in this. As I said, it was pretty intuitive for the average person to watch because that is an archer. That is a group of horses. Horses counter infantry. Like it was all very easy to pick up in that sense. And I do think there is a massive opportunity for a company that gets it right to make a big mark in esports and to bring a lot of the mainstream fan base to esports through RTS. Now, in terms of, you know, StarCraft 3 or whatever, I mean, there's not even been a peep about a new StarCraft coming out as far as I know. It's kind of like the Half-Life 3. Like, obviously, people assume at some point, you know, it's such a uh, golden goose that you just assume it will make a, a reappearance at some point. And even though I do think that would be big, at least for a couple of years upon, like, its sort of a reintroduction into the space, I don't think it ever truly captured the imagination in the West. I think it also... Starcraft 2 benefited from being one of the first things that was kind of advertised as an esport and it did happen to have a lot of interesting personalities who were pushing it. I don't think the West ever truly embraced it, which is also part of the reason. I mean, the lack of success, I guess, had something to do with it in the West, but also, you know, the fact that it just kept going in Korea to like a decent audience for a long time and it dropped off completely in the West. I don't actually think a new Starcraft would be the answer in that sense. I think it would be something like a Total War or one of these games that's very visual and easy to digest. Uh, and I do think that is an opportunity, um, yeah, waiting to happen. And I do think it would it massively increase. I think it would steroid the growth of esports, to be honest, if someone got it right. Wow. That's some pretty high praise for strategy games, to be honest. I've never really considered strategy games as much of a viable esport, to be honest. I think the more action you have, the better. And strategy games are just kind of slow. And you see the way, like, car games go and stuff like that. What Like, Hearthstone's kind of dead in the water as far as, like, viewership goes. And uh, even even games like uh, Magic the Gathering, which by all intents and purposes is a banging game, just doesn't have an esports scene in the, in the same way that we see any other big titles go through. Um, just to sort but, of very quickly hit, hit back on that, something that's obviously, yeah. it's not really an esport, but it's kind of sort of meandered its way into that area a little bit, is something like chess, right? Which is mm. basically, it's become really huge because of how it's basically been approached by uh, sort of again the cross-pollination aspects of like getting big personalities on Twitch to talk to actual chess grandmasters and streaming tournaments and stuff like that and that has actually massively pumped up the level of traffic that websites like chess.com and these other things get and these tournaments they're not getting you know as insane viewership obviously as League of Legends or, or pick your esport but chess in terms of the, the the stratosphere of gaming is now a thing and it is at least relatively sizable. And that is the old, obviously you can play speed chess or whatever, but that is the ultimate slow burner strategy game, no action, right? I just think that if you can get people to understand the concept and then show them that concept at the highest level, as long as it has sort of some attractive elements that it will it will do well. That's a fair point, honestly. Chess definitely has had a resurgence. What about you, Thorin? What do you think about strategy games, esports, how they mix and do we need a new RTS or is RTS kind of 
old hat at this point. The main thing is, just like any good student doing an essay, the first thing you have to do is actually ask what the question is pertaining to, like what is the specific call? So when we say like, does it need it, right? If we're talking about the business of esports, I don't think it needs RTS at all, actually. I think it's actually been proven it's not going to be a very popular genre and that, if anything, it is a relic of its time, much like the FPS games I came up on, like Quake. I don't think there'll ever be a game like Quake. I'll ever be number one. So in terms of the idea of, like, you know, for the artistic element of, like, would it be cool if there was a really good RTS game? Like, on that angle, yeah, I think we could go all day about how great RTS can be and things that StarCraft and games have done and whether they're unique and what they can capture and how, like, for example, how iterative they are if you're a pro gamer and you can reach a very high level and you can have all these fabulous metas and tournaments. And there's a lot of positives. The problem is, if we want to look at the business side of esports, which unfortunately dominates the reality of esports right now, basically the business of esports currently, it's not about, like, Oh, like basically no one runs things like a, a real business that has to actually like justify itself by making profit and then paying everyone and reinvesting in research development. At the moment, it's all VC money coming in because everyone's just gambling that one day they're going to have their foot in the door of a game slash a league that is 10 times bigger than anything now and is worth billions of dollars, right? There is no place as far as I can tell in that world for RTS games because one thing that I think is often miscommunicated or misremembered is people always tell the story of rts games with starcraft 2 right so they go so it got huge in the early 2010s and then what happened was it sort of dropped off and then games like league of legends csgo dota 2 they came over and they took up the baton no what actually happened if you ever go back and look and the reason why to this day esl still runs starcraft 2 and in fact picked the game back up again a few years ago is the viewership's actually still good for starcraft 2 it's just that relative to what those newer games were it didn't go up with the rising tide as it were it stayed really good but what people don't get is starcraft 2 used to be the big fish in a small pond cs 1.6 compared to that was way smaller the only other game that was big actually was world of warcraft arena if people don't know these were the games that got the massive viewership then league of legends came along league of legends was getting enormous viewship even bigger viewship before it had a way but less developed scene same with dota 2 because dota 2 captured the chinese and the cis market etc so i think the main problem for me is starcraft just naturally is somewhat being left as a niche side game but if you have an interest in the game and you want to cater, like Richard's saying, to that specific audience, who, by the way, still watch StarCraft 2. They didn't go on and watch League of Legends or see it. They just stayed in their little game. It just became a much smaller game relative to the rest of esports. Like, you can market to those people. I just don't think, in general, the industry's going to care. Like, to me, they're going to be also runs. And the last thing I would say is this is I don't think that as a type of game, it can ever be number one. Like, I th if I try to... Like, you're making so much as point sex. I don't know this Total War game. So I've only ever seen the really hardcore RTS games. And I already, for one, saw they had the problem Quake did, which is Quake as a game is inherently a hardcore game. But because they were looked and they were like, we're so, so smaller than the other esports games, the first approach you take is dilute the game make it less hardcore but if you do that by the way you always hit this fucking middle point where you just ruin the game for everyone now the hardcore guys like well this is garbage compared to the game i used to play and meanwhile the guy who's the casuals like this is still way too hard why the fuck would i play this game it's it's, it's not fun so it's, in my opinion i think you're gonna end up in that problem and then the last thing i'll say is this i also think the biggest disadvantage rts games have is it's actually a disadvantage that both quake and league of legends um suffer from in this sense which is that Quake is a really easy game to watch 
it, anyone can see what's going on, even if they don't understand the weapons. Like, they understand, you can even see actually intuitively how good the guns are by the, the way the projectiles work. But here's the problem that League of Legends always had. But League of Legends just has so many viewers, you can get past it, which is in a League of Legends and a StarCraft 2 game, you know the game is over way before the game is officially over, and you you just pretend it isn't over. So famously, in both StarCraft and League, when your base is being attacked by the other enemy, after you've lost the key fights in the middle of the map, it's pretty much the same in both games, odds are you aren't going to hold now. In fact, it might even be impossible to hold the base. But the commentator has to go, will he hold the base? He must hold! Right, here's the difference. In Counter-Strike, the format of the game means you never have to have that happen. Like, on the last round of the game, I might actually have weapons, even if it's the last round for me and I'm about to be eliminated. And if you come and attack my base, well, we all start with the same amount of health again. Like, it actually is exciting. Even though on the scoreboard you're about to win, there's excitement. Like, maybe I can hold now because the game itself sort of resets you in that sense. In League, if you're 10 levels down or they have three items extra, or in StarCraft, if they have a 200 supply army and you have 25 units, like, at that point, I'm sorry, there isn't really any hype. So, unfortunately, I think even the viewer experience isn't that great for casuals. You have to actually, like, sort of understand a basic thing about the game. It's why, basically, one of the number one complaints against analysts in League I saw Cadrill got this when he first started doing the VOD reviews, is when you do that moment where you pause the VOD review when the jungler gets fucked, like he gets triple buffed or something, and you go, game's over. Because to the fan, he's like, what, the game's over? Like, fuck, we already put the lens up. Like, to a fan, that is the least satisfied thing you can ever say. Even though we all know in the hardcore world, like, what you mean by that? Like, it is, it's not over, but it's like 75% fucked, isn't it, you know? So to me, again, if you want an eSport to be really big, and in the modern day, that's what the business of eSports is, I just don't think it's very well suited. Like, I can think of other genres that, that work a lot better at the moment so the the only thing i would kind of again hit back on on that is the the thing you say about what you really don't want to happen which i agree with is you meet this horrible middle ground where the games become so simplified that people understand it immediately but the game's been so simplified that actually it's just not a very good well-balanced game anymore for competitive play i do think and again i'm not even propping up uh total war it's like the game that would solve this it just came into my head because of how it was used in in tv before and sort of has a, a mass appeal in that sense i think one of starcraft's biggest problems is apart from anything else like thematically i think it's hard to understand it's like oh they're doing this and all these bailings what like all these fantasy concepts which yeah sure you can look at them and understand that okay these are super powerful spaceships or whatever the hell it is that you're looking at but i think with something like total war which is essentially for anyone who doesn't know just two historically accurate armies against each other on a battlefield everything you look at on the screen you immediately understand what the role of that thing is at least to a relatively decent level whereas with all the different like trying to just to try and explain the the concept of what a zerg is and that actually it's fine if these little units sprinting and suicide essentially because they're just basically trying to swarm like insects like yeah again there's a level of overlap between understanding because people know what you know how insects behavior works i guess to a certain extent but it's nowhere near as intuitive as something like a historical battle playing out in that sense so i do actually think it's possible to have a game with the complexity of starcraft and also have it be immediately understood or at least most of the base concepts immediately understood by the average person um whether you can actually craft a game which is going to you know perfectly in i mean again i think a game like total war does actually have enough depth to be um skilled enough to play excuse me to play it like the, the the top level um so yeah I'm, I'm not sure from that aspect that i do completely agree but at the same time i also don't know 
how popular it would be as an esport just by default i'm just kind of guessing based on, on what i've already seen i mean top for people who uh or for you guys even who maybe don't know total war is an incredibly popular game series but obviously it's never had a hint of a tournament from what i know or at least they've been uh completely in in the background and um, no one's ever really put money into it so i don't even know if it would be successful in that sense or, or how digestible it would be but what i do know is a ton of people people like playing it and as i said visually i think it it kind of would be intuitive to the average person the thing with total war as well is you kind of got two different game states within the game right like you have the the almost like the the overworld part where you're controlling your cities building up your cities deciding what to build very much oh like yeah but a, that that I wouldn't be when you play so when you play multiplayer <clears throat> that that shit doesn't exist it's literally just okay, you so are on them yeah 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 got you yeah to that extent i think that's that that's kind of cool and i think it's a it's an interesting point which i think is probably quite underrated is just recognizing the shit you're seeing like like you say with like zergs I, i've never been into starcraft myself but you got this fat of trebuchet coming towards your base you're like fuck i know what's happening there do you know what i mean like it's a trebuchet everyone knows what that does whereas if you've got some like roided out fucking space dickhead coming at your base it's like well what's he gonna do? not you don't necessarily know right and then when you multiply that by like you know 20 different types of units and buildings and then the fact there's another player as well he's got his own type of space shit going on like yeah, yeah you don't, you don't know what like the that. matchups are unless you know that's the point right. right whereas anything that's based in actual with a level of actual historical accuracy almost everyone immediately knows what the implications are of a horse running at a guy who's not on a horse unless he has for example a spear in which case you're like oh okay so this man on the ground actually hard counters horsey so yeah i think in that sense it it works it is there anything any of you two want to say uh, before we move on from this? Because I don't know when the next time you're going to talk about StarCraft is. I've got one angle I can give you, that. which is this. I'll just give you a very brief vision of an alternate world that could have existed in esports. And basically, it's actually one that Rich might be able to appreciate here because it sort of, as far as I can tell, doesn't exist for Zoomers. But basically, if you grew up in the sort of time period me and Rich did, in the UK specifically, when you used to have free television, you didn't have Sky and a million channels, when you used to watch famously on the weekends, especially sports, like you would watch BBC Sport or something. The way you consumed it wasn't like now. It wasn't like where you have a menu and you just pick what you want. It was more like you sit down and whatever is on that Saturday, that Sunday, you watch. So if it's a, if it's gymnastics, whatever it could be, you could be in England, especially famously, there's a billion sports. They only show balls. Sports you would never think to watch. It's actually how, by the way, bizarrely, you get a lot of British people who, on the one hand, can't watch like American football, but they can watch snooker, for example, which I'm a big fan of. Like, the point is, they sort of been conditioned young enough to get past the boring part of it and especially in this case you can see the mechanism i'm using here is when you only have like four channels and there's nothing else on you just give it a go don't you so you don't have to like be into the idea now the reason i bring this up is i actually thought once upon a time this is the model esports would go to to survive which is before we had the big games like league of legends and csgo blow up and when these games blow up they became so massive because of the game developer giving money for the tournaments that the game developers actually demanded in the case of riot they literally demanded that you can't have other games from different rival developers sometimes in the same brand which is actually a famous sort of black mark on csgo that csgo began on the ems 
banner, not the ESL one slash uh, IEM rather. IEM was the main brand of it, of ESL, but they put CSGO on EMS, which was sort of like the second tier brand because Riot didn't want Valve games on their tournaments on the, on the same IEMs and kind of eats and all the rest of it. So basically, if that hadn't happened, the old model and ESL were the best at doing this was they would run tournaments where it would be like IEM kind of eats here, but it would have like three games that would be like Warcraft 3, CS 1.6, Starcraft 1, or, or something else, you know, third game, put in another one, put League of Legends if you want. And the premise back then was like, essentially, you could put all the costs under one roof, you'd run the whole tournaments, like similar stream stuff. Well, I always thought back then, the genius of that was, if you ever presented it in this way, they didn't try this approach, but you could have tried a similar approach to what I'm talking about with sport. You could have made it so that each day's viewing was like, right, the morning is StarCraft 2 tournament, then the afternoon is the CSGO, and then we wrap up with the League of Legends in the evening. And my idea would have been, first of all, it would have been a really cool way to keep the legacy games like StarCraft, Quake. You could have still had them involved, but you could have had them like the least important of the games. And the idea is they'd just be there as like the warm-up in the morning, for example, to get all the stage work and the rest. And my premise would be... That most of these games, once you get into them, you're into them. Like you're, they, they, it's only in the, the initial few weeks that's hard. So I always thought if you could have made it like a menu and people just took the whole menu, that would have been a really cool way to actually make it. So then you'd have bleed over from like the newer games, like the League of Legends, the Fortnites. You could have bleed over into a CS:GO or Valorant, and then you could have some Boomer old school game so that everyone's sort of covered. I don't think we're ever going to go that route because, as I said, the business and the model is very different now. But I always thought that could have been the way because if people don't know, the first time period when they were bringing in games like League of Legends to IM, for example, was the end of when they actually still had things like Quake. They still actually had that in the circuit. But as I say, it was just sort of occupied the smaller slot on the circuit. And it, the difference was a StarCraft or a League, they were competing for sort of the title slot, as it were, of the entire IM. Didn't they uh, do something similar once? I think I think actually it was maybe an event that you worked, Thorin. I, I could be completely misremembering it, but I think it was when you guys did something with ESPN maybe didn't they have like a Heroes of the Storm tournament and then they did your Counter-Strike thing this is when it was either with ESPN or Turner or whoever and they did the sync up with the inside the NBA thing wasn't there like a Heroes of the Storm thing that went on just before your Counter-Strike sure event that. I'm not sure but I, I have a recollection I mean if it wasn't that event it was another event where basically they had a big event afterwards but the the sort of the appetizer if you will was this Heroes of the Storm event right um, okay but yeah, I mean, I'm guess just based on that small sample size, that probably didn't work out for them. But it was again, I think it was on like ESPN or something, which didn't even have like a decent sort of esports viewership. But you know, the reason I... it kills me is this: is because I, I, like I say, I actually think that it's only this current model where you try to get everyone in the world to watch that ruins it. Because then you're not going to get all those people through the sort of immediate barrier of the first few weeks. Because if they can get through it, like the best example ever is the UFC. Most people who follow the UFC, and there's loads of people do, they don't really follow the sport. Like, they couldn't tell me who the 11th best welterweight is, but they know all the fights in the championship, don't they? And I've seen this dude, like, you know how many people I know who aren't even hardcore watching MMA, but they know all the women's champions? Because what they essentially want is they just want the best entertainment. So if they if they watch the heavyweight men's fight, and then on the same card, they happen to see the women's fight, they might next time be like, oh, actually, I saw her last time. I wonder if she's going to win this time. Like, to me, once you hook them, that's it. So I always thought, in 
esports. If we could really have sort of explained to random fans like, what StarCraft is, what Quake is, what Counter Strike is, a month in, they'd be loving it. They'd be loving who Simple is and who Faker is. Like These people have insane natural charisma and draw that when you get in the game. So to me, I always thought that would have been... I always thought essentially esports should have branded around its stars more than the game itself, you know. Yeah. Like the premise would be... Like you must know this. Back in the day when I was a kid, no one gave a fuck about basketball in the UK, but everyone fucking cared about Michael Jordan, mate. Everyone was obsessed with like every little clip they could see buying the stick. And the joke was a lot of us were even watching the NBA games. You couldn't even watch it back then. You could only watch like a fucking omnibus highlight roundup show or something couldn't you but the point is the stars is what drew you in not the game yeah i remember there was for uh, when i used to get home from school <laughs> on a thursday i can't remember what the first show was but there was this there was this original show then it was the simpsons and then it was buffy the vampire slayer and everyone in my house is a massive buffy the vampire slayer fan but we would always obviously you know turn on early because again there's no rewinding it's terrestrial television you're it's either on or it's not so it would always be or it started out always being part way through the simpsons and this is like early 90s or whatever and then eventually you know, we just started watching The Simpsons and it turned to like rushing home because you're like, oh, you've only got 10 minutes yep. before it starts. Turn the TV on and then the previous show was on. I can't actually remember what that was, but I remember we started watching that as well. So I do think if you have like a scheduling thing where it's like, yeah, the League of Legends event starts at 8 p.m. or something. If people are hyped for that and they turn on at a 5, uh, sorry, at 7.30, expecting maybe to get the pre-coverage or whatever, and actually it's the end of an elongated StarCraft game, yeah, you could definitely get some fans converted like that way for sure. And I think they did do that a little bit in ESL. Like I think there was some scheduling stuff where they had on main stage. It was like a StarCraft event and then a League of Legends event. But yeah, I mean, nowadays, it, it yeah, just doesn't, everything's separate, unfortunately. Do you think, do you think it's because of like, like VC money and like leagues being set up so that you can get just attract as many investors as possible, make as much money as possible. That's why we wouldn't see necessarily like events that have these kind of like, like scheduling. So, like the old yeah, so the wet no, the... If, for some reason in esports, everyone wants to just win completely and be the one sport, you know. So at the moment, sadly, they all compete against each other, don't they? But I also, I also think it's like um, people have this mindset of if League of Legends is really big, but it's at 60% of its uh, total ceiling, then they think it's more worth to expand that or increase that up to 70%, 80% than it is to pump up StarCraft of, you know, which is 10, has a starting value of 10% of that and getting that to 15 or 20%. And I mean, technically they're probably correct. It's just obviously. There's also, by the way, a lot of dumbass VC money still to this day. As in, this is a story Monty always tells me, he's right. And I know there's some behind the scenes in Flashpoint. You don't know how many times, like, in a game like CSGO, which if people don't know, only hit its like player peak at the end of last year. And actually, if people don't know, the major doubled the ever viewership record. So if anything, CSGO in theory is at its absolute height of playing-wise, viewing-wise. And yet the joke is, the reason why some NA orgs have a Valorant team but don't have a CSGO team isn't even costs. It's just that the VC people who wanted to invest that on that round were like, we've heard about that. Have you got a Valorant team, essentially? Whereas the premise was they didn't know CSGO like that. So as arbitrary as that's these are some of the sort of levers that are decided in the industry yeah so it's peculiar stuff isn't it like I, I wish i could have i really miss like events i guess that's someone who just works in like it works in league of legends like the whole league system i i mean it's 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 fine but like the, the the hype of like there being an event that you look forward to and like with different teams being able to qualify and keeping everything fresh and then 
I, I preferred that. It used to, to be the shit as well back in the day when we would all, like, people from different games were all at the same event. Like, if we all went to IEM, they could have a League of Legends event where you and Cage or people like that could be there. I could be there for CSGO or another game. Someone else could be there for fucking Quake. Like, back in the day, that's what it used to be like. It was pretty cool. I mean, I don't it actually was. know anyone <laughs> who lived through both eras, like when League was also open circuit, that from an enjoyment perspective didn't enjoy the open oh, circuit. Everyone preferred it. Everyone did. Yeah, it was just, yeah. it's purely a monetary thing. And I understand it. I mean, but. You know, I, I'll say I was one of the people who was pushing for franchising because I felt that for financial viability for the teams and the things that you needed to get in place, like broadcast deals, you needed to have the, the certain securities that franchising gave. So I'll openly say, like, I, I pushed for that heavily as, a, as an owner. But from an enjoyment perspective, I've always preferred the open circuit model for basically all of these games. And as I said, I think almost everyone I know that's lived through both eras has had the same opinion. So yeah, unfortunately, it's just a money thing. You were saying, I think I think it was you were saying somewhere, if 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 the investors, oh no, was it one of you two's was saying how uh, you see League of Legends at sixty percent? I think it was Rich now. Um, you want to push that to hundred rather than investing in like the smaller games, right? Um, but there've been examples of 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 VC money being thrown around in games that just sink. Overwatch League, COD League, for example. But that's like, an, that's like another they, they... reason why you back League, right? Because it's already proof of product. So exactly, yeah. You... So I'm saying, like, does that then, like, it, it, the way you're describing it? Maybe I picked this up wrong. It, it almost like you're lamenting the fact that that investors only care about the established brands, and that that's why we're kind of maybe lacking uh, this like investment into smaller esports to grow these other esports and to have more variety and diversity in esports. So I think it's kind of like a quasi-communist argument to go too far down this road and be like, oh my god, like they should be, uh, you know, spreading out the wealth and blah blah blah. Like ultimately, League is big for a reason. It's not just because it's received a shit ton of VC money. It's a whole bunch of aspects from a viewership perspective, from a um, managing to get people who play your games to actually care about the esport e perspective, and also to just how huge the player bases and how they were able to to turn that into a successful product so i'm not thinking like you know heroes of the storm for example i'm not thinking oh why don't they can't we give these guys some money as well it's like of course there's a middle ground or there are scenarios where you do actually have a really good game so not heroes of the storm and you're like man i wish that was bigger but at the same time ultimately this is a business and i'm not going to lament someone from you know wanting to uh, more heavily invest in league of legends in another game i think the smart money is investing in league of i mean it's kind of like you know crypto a little bit like you could invest in some random speculative altcoin which could potentially sure if it becomes as big as league of legends you're going to get 100x on your money but at the same time you see bitcoins going through the roof and you think that it's only half of the way to its ceiling obviously that's a much safer bet because you have a historical precedence behind that so no i think from an investor uh, investor perspective you're probably pretty stupid if you've been duped into <laughs> backing one of these tiny games um so yeah it, it's just basically it's utopia versus reality like and i i don't think uh trying to create the utopia would would serve us well fair enough well we talked a lot about that um anything else you guys want to before we wrap up that nothing okay cool banging stuff well we're moving on to uh to who wins because we love doing putting rich and throwing up against each other and i believe rich is winning he's 2-1 since last week cloud9 beg just as a premise here um we're Dorian will say I want this team to win Rich says he wants this team to win and then at the end we're gonna add them up and see who can win the ultimate thing and do a forfeit essentially and Thorin did actually say he wanted to pick cloud nine but we reversed that didn't and we then, so 
Yeah, he kind of. I'm push on that one. It's fine either way. Um, now the I'm not actually sure what we're doing today for for our who wins. We've got uh, it's the LEC. I know that much. Who are we betting against today? It's the last game of Saturday, which is G2 Fnatic. G2 Fnatic. Oh, banging stuff. Excellent. Okay, that's good then. So who's gonna win? G2 versus Fnatic. Have you guys already decided? You yes. picked your teams. There? Okay, cool. So throw and hit me. Who's gonna win? Yeah, I'm actually taking Fnatic on this one. I know on paper they're the favourite, but like, first of all, I don't think that even counts anymore. Like, at the end of the day, paper roster doesn't play against you. You play against the team in the server. If you look at the standings, there's a reason why these teams are basically been around the same standing the whole time. I think this is another example of a game, which is, a, I think it's basically a coin flip. But I'm taking Fnatic in the sense that I do think they have the better roster of players. I still think some elements haven't quite come together, but I think they're starting to get sort of sync up with Humanoid a little bit. I think generally most players have played fairly well in the team. I still think there's still like more depth for them. Whereas for me, I think G2 is good, but I, I kind of, they're more of an own quantity to me. So I actually just think Fnatic just has a better team. And I think this is the problem. On paper, I always used to use, for LEC, spoiler, I used to always just do jungle mid. The better jungle mid should win. But actually, I don't think that even helps me on this one. Because even though in theory, the better jungle mid should be the Fnatic one, actually, that might be one of the worst fucking connections they have in the team at the moment. So I'll say Fnatic wins a close game. Wait, you, you think Fnatic jungle mid is better than Capture? On paper. On paper. Okay, fair enough. I like how you say this. Oh, this is another coin flip matchup. Yeah, throwing the mentally post, mate. Else it would be very easy to pick one and then win the whole forfeit thing. Um, I'm surprised, honestly. You got Fnatic. I thought I thought Rich would be chomping at the bit to root for his boy Wonder in the top lane, but uh, apparently not. So why are you taking G2? Uh, the thing is, when you have two, you know, resident Fnatic haters, we're not actually allowed to both pick <laughs> against Fnatic, so it's just how it works. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to kind of betray what I said on the award show and kind of use the reverse logic, which is uh, Razork has, you know, it's not necessarily the Razork from last split. And he has, I mean, admittedly, when last seen in action, he was actually pretty good. I think he had his best game of the best game of the season. But, you know, if we take it to, to use what Thorin said, if we were taking the players um, in terms of how they performed last split overall, then Fnatic do have the better jungler and mid, I would say. Obviously, historically, in terms of what they've achieved, of course, like stratospheres apart, Yankos and Caps. Um, but I just feel that G2 overall look more connected to me. And maybe a way I would put it is overall slightly less talent, but more cohesive. And I think at this stage, that's going to mean a win for G2. I do think the top side of the map is much more cohesive for G2. I mean, everyone knows what my feelings on Wonder are so far this split. And I think Broken Blade for me has been the second best top laner after Otto. Um, and I think they've just been playing. I'm just going to throw it out there that your boy Alfari did say he considers Wonder top two top laner along with him in the LEC. So oh, brilliant. Go. So he simultaneously managed to disqualify himself from the conversation <laughs> and give a <laughs> whack opinion. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> amazing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go uh, I'm going to go G2. I also think that someone we didn't actually speak about on the award show, but you could have maybe given sort of an unsung hero type award to is Targamas. I think Targamas has like silently been pretty good. Not nothing spectacular. And I would say that Hillisang is the better support in this matchup, of course. But um, yeah, I just think that, as I said, overall, I think G2 are more cohesive. So I'm going to take G2 for this one. Well, excellent. It's always it's always fun watching Fnatic G2. I think Fnatic's bot lane is miles better than Flax. So upset Hilly is is way better than Flax. Targamas. I agree though. Targamas is a good and his his champion pool of S is is very impressive. Um, and I think I think as uh, you know time goes on, he'll be 
a pretty good staple supporting the LEC. So you um, both you've both fallen into the, my traps from from miles back. Obviously not my actual set traps, but Thorin has invoked the wrath of K Corp. You've now invoked the wrath of Flax fans, and those oh, yeah. are in fact <laughs> the two. They, they are the sort of uh, equivalent of the the 2018 obnoxious level of TSM fans. So congratulations, that, you both yeah. have that yeah. to look forward to. I've it's already right. ridden I've the got... I've already ridden the ride. I would just say, and it's really not that bad. So you know. <laughs> I've got I've got the NLC scene on my on, like on my side, so me plus those four other fans, we're fine. Thanks, don't worry. There's another reason, though, Rich. Actually, and this is another thing. One of the things you have to learn in analysis is there's ways of doing analysis purely on the game, but there's also like meta trends, which is another thing people are interested in. So there's another thing in general I just hate doing, Rich, which is I hate having to put my money on a player who individually I don't believe in. So like Flax is an obvious example. I just think he's just like in a like the joke for me is he should be on like XL or something, mate. Like he shouldn't be on G2. Like I don't know how that's even happened. So my problem is that like in general. I don't like a world where I sort of realise halfway through the game, like, fuck, did I really just bet on tactical to win this best of five? Like, I don't like that fucking realisation, like, fucking lucidity of, like, fucking hell fucking post not clarity as it were when he made the bet already so in general like the difference is i can i can die happy knowing this fanatic line of one all lost the game i can't live knowing i had to pick flack to win the game mate. Like... so now you know how i feel about wonder there we go, there go. okay there you go all right match made in heaven so you've had K K corp and flag fans in one episode throw excellent uh, anything else you want to burn to the ground? Any other fandoms that you want to rile up before we're going to round? Well, it was actually you, by the way, to be clear, that invoked the wrath of the flat fans, which you can but now add. On that. You can hey, now add in case anyone it. forgot to his women hate that happened a couple of episodes ago. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. What? Are you, what? I'll really say. Like I'll it. say no more. You know we don't do spoilers on this show, Fox. So. I'll tell you this. I'll give you one last piece, a little gem, which is you know the old good old the score esports. Which if people don't know it, and CS:GO especially are really famous for just being absolutely terrible at their videos. Like their videos are like essentially someone takes one of my videos, like doesn't understand most of it, and then misremembers half it as they're telling it. Well, the joke is, um, I think in League they just did this. I'll quickly have a look. But in League, I saw the other day this. I thought, is this like a screenshot? This surely can't be real. That someone actually posted this. Let me just check it's actually real. Was this real? No, it is. They actually did a video like a week ago about Reckless, where you know he had like a fucking quadra kill or something in like ERL. And even though he's in the ERLs, the video is called The Return of the Fucking King. Like, for real, this is how whack the score esports is. They think Reckless, like Quadrant, or maybe he was even a penter in like fucking ERLs, like, he's back. The king is back. It's like, it's not even in LEC. What are you talking about? Like, this, the narratives have gone too far with some of these motherfuckers, mate. They've gone too far. Come on. The Rex has drawn really? clicks. I know oh, that one. Obviously, it goes. Yeah, listen, I get why they've done it. It's really, it's very cynical, Foxtrot, but fuck yeah, yeah, come no. on, man. I, I remember, do you remember when the meta shifted and, and, and you were playing like Janna Bot Lane for ADCs and Rex was like, fuck that, I'm going on holiday. Yes. Um, yeah. I was working at uh, LEC at that point, and I remember a lot of bemoaning backstage, like with, with like producers and people involved, oh, like, specifically the content guys as yes. well, who are like, "We need Rexus back. We need our viewers back." Like literally, there's there is literally a hit in viewers when you don't have Reckless on your broadcast. Like I don't know if that's still the case now because that was years now, and, and we've got our 
I don't know whether that's whether that's still the case, but it's Believe actually that. mental how much of an impact that guy has on, on viewers. You have to remember, Reckless actually has the OP fans, if you want, like, just not us to turn up in the stream. The difference is, right, if you're... I'll give you an example. If I say I'm a fan of Jensen, I'm a fan of Jensen playing League of Legends well. If he plays like shit, I'll, I'll probably stop watching, right? The difference is, Reckless has those, like, for real K-pop stands who are sort of like, I must protect Recky. Like, that, that <laughs> person isn't worried about how good he is at Tristan and Almit. They're watching no matter what. Like, they're just invested. So, by, by the way, you the know... The easiest person uh... to get to tune in. What's funny about, you know, or what you said earlier about this idea that the, the casters sort of have to pretend that the game's still close, even though they've just aced them at Baron or whatever. It's like the idea that you have, you know, the, the idea of the pentakill in a competitive League of Legends oh, match is so it. fucking funny. Like that, that entire team will just basically AFK while this extended chase goes down to get the fifth guy. Like imagine if this ha happened in Counter-Strike where it's like, oh, there's only two kills left. Everyone just hide at the back of the bomb site. Let Get Right run around trying to get the last two. Like, but obviously you don't do that because until the round's over in Counter-Strike, anything can happen as long as, you know, the bomb time hasn't overlapped with the round end time. But in League, you have this, again, the, the, the casters are caught in this dichotomy of like clearly the fight and the game is over, but we're going to try and make the climax of our casting. Like, when do you get the pentakill? Oh my God, he got the pentakill! Oh. Just... Of all time, my favourite is that they also, obviously, the conceit in League that's flawed is like each five, the difference is in Counter-Strike, each five players could all have the maximum weapon and they could all be equally valuable in Counter-Strike, right? In League, the joke is, if you've already killed four of them and the last person to support was no mana left, like, well, he's obviously going to die, isn't he? He's not going to like 1v5, is he like, it's over already, but yeah, yeah you have to pretend like, oh my God, he doesn't! That's why people don't get it. The best moments in League. This is why everyone's got to stop pretending you watch this game because you're nerds and that you nerd out over the deal. None of you know the fucking item builds and all the fucking the damage calculations. What you remember is people like Dora just doing fucking cool casts like the moves, the faker, what the hell? Like that's all we really watch for, guys. It's the entertainment, isn't it? We're all just lying to ourselves that we're all just, oh, on some Tesla shit, like seeing the secrets of the universe through the game. Like we're not we're just fucking watching stupid shit and fireworks <laughs> on the screen. I mean, even though, even though it's like. Even <laughs> Even though it's like against against my own team, as it were, the one I'll never forget is like Forgiven at Worlds when we beat EDG, and he's just on his own at the Nexus, and there's an army trying to defend against Caitlyn, and they're literally shout casting it like, "Look at the plays, look yeah. at the moves!" Oh, yeah. Forgiven, what was that? It's like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, the poor little yeah. army just trying to swim away. Oh. I gotta honestly go off on one about entertaining moments. Like I swear down, like that's the whole rise of these like you know, like these these fucking I don't even know how to describe them, but like like I I'm gonna call them league analysts because they're they're mostly prevalent in League of Legends compared to other esports. But I think people just like, you know, LS is LS veteran, whatever, whoever you wanna say, like there's there there are a dime dozen on Twitter. Like this this is how it is, this is how it not is. And then and then, you know, if their, their Twitter followers will see this thing over here happening, and they're like, "Oh, just like you said." And it's like, oh, you know, it's, it, it, it look. Did you guys watch that show? I think it was called Recess. Do you remember that that cartoon show back in the day? I think it was called Recess. That's a bit remember. bit zoomer for me, mate. But I know what show you're talking about, bro. I'm nearly thirty. Don't you even start, mate. I'm not that young at all. It was, it, there was a kid with his notepad who was a teacher's pet, and he was like proper. He, he almost talked like Beavis or Barhead, one of the two. And, and every time he was fucking, he was just there to be the teacher's pet and to be annoying. Everyone hated him. 
and it's like he had his notepad like oh, I wanna I wanna and, you know, and that that's was a, just the big guy. guy. That's the people on Reddit criticizing our episode right now. It's literally <laughs> that's why no <laughs> one know what he's talking about Thomas just need to play that champion out. Yeah, that the li- literally it's like oh can you imagine he picked that oh what oh man his his waving it patience. He's just <laughs> so bronze. Says the guy sitting at home, like scraping off his fucking cheat of dust and like, you know, sticky keyboard and everything. It's like, why do you need this like mental superiority? Like you obviously don't really know what's going on. You're just being fed this information from someone else anyway. And then if they flip flopped on it, you'd be like, Yeah, actually you're right. Yeah, no, it was actually like this here all along, wasn't it? It's like you don't you don't have your own opinion. You've just been fed your own opinion. But you, you know what the like, you know what the ultimate compliment is for us though, is that when I read people who are like criticizing this show or other similar shows or whatever, they actually talk about us and speak of us as if we are an LS or a veteran or whatever. When it's like, okay, I've never pretended to be like a super yeah. in-depth yeah. league analyst in yeah. my life, but if you're putting me if those are the standards by which you're judging me, fair enough. I think I'm a bit more entertaining than those cunts, but whatever, I guess uh I guess I'm now in both ballots, aren't I? Like legit. Nah, oh, okay, I'm gonna go off on one. I've got to round things up. Anything you guys want to say before we start getting very angry at the end of uh at the community of League of Legends? Just say if Fnatic actually wins this match, then I think we're tied on the last one, which also will be like a tiebreaker for the forfeit, right? Oh, is it, is it first to five? I think, yeah, I think it's two yeah, one for Rich at the moment, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Okay. By All the right, way, so I have a, I have a, bang, I have a banging potential forfeit, which I feel does kind of need to be approved because I can't really just. Right. <laughs> now you have to do this thing that you haven't agreed to. So my, my proposition <laughs> is that for a two day period, you are not allowed to block anyone on Twitter. But not only that, you have to write a tweet telling everyone you're not allowed to block anyone on Twitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And there's there's no way that gold doesn't ensue from this one way or another. <laughs> See. Have you ever thought about your forfeit year throwing? I know you've got two more wins to go, so it might not be on your I'll just, mind. I'll, I like to keep it, you know, sort of spontaneous. I'll think it's somewhat funny. And okay. also, I don't want to give him ideas. Like, I'll wait. We'll see if he, if he loses. Then I'm, I'm going to go to town and think it's really good, you know. <laughs> That's true. You're going to go fucking evil. All right, beautiful stuff. Well, you have to tune in next time then, guys. If Rich wins this one and G2 beat Fnatic, yeah, that's the way around it goes. Uh, then what Thorin's going to have to do is forfeit. And if not, then we uh, it's sudden death for the episode afterwards. Thanks so much for watching, guys. Have a fantastic evening, afternoon, morning, wherever you're from. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.